0: trivia, discussions, opinions and the chance to have your say, welcome to the Topical Resort.
1: That another week means another opening, and well, quite frankly, the final opening of season two. Welcome to the Top Grizzle. As always, I am your. What am I? I'm, I'm Green and This is your one-stop shop, except it's not a shop. Uh, let's not be getting that one mixed up. This is your one-stop, your one location for um, stuff. I get it's too hot for this today to do this spiel, To be honest, um. So we just heard there was a track from Wonderboy The Dragon's Trap, the 2017 remake. Originally a game, this is off the top of my head. Uh, it's either from 1986 or 1987, I want to say 1986. Either way, that's a heckin' long time ago. And that is the 2017 remake released on Nintendo Switch, PC, uh, Xbox One and PS4. There we go, that's all the consoles. Uh, that took a while for some reason. It's a pretty really good remake as well. Um, I I have the remake, I haven't really got all that far in it to be honest. Um, and when I did play it, I didn't play in the Master System style because I'm a bit of a faker and all that. But um, I really did enjoy the game, just I'm not uh, all that good at it to be honest. Uh, even on the easy difficulty I just struggled and some Wonderboy fans will uh, be absolutely clawing at me for that one. Apparently what Dragon's Trap was 1989, I could have sworn it was earlier than that and also I apologise that I didn't know an incredibly specific date off the top of my head. I will, um, I'll try and correct that for next time. Electric. Anyway, um, yeah, no, it's a really good game. Just still pretty brutally difficult. It's it, it shows that it's an 80s game, definitely. But uh, for the most part, I'd recommend you check out that version of the original Master System version, especially if you live in the US, because good luck getting a copy of Dragon's Trap otherwise brilliant game I will say that before that was a track from another game which you can pick up on a brand new console that was from Alex Kidd in Miracle World the switch release specifically because that was the castle theme but that was the FM version which was added to the brand new Sega Ages release which came out on switch I believe back in February yeah February is the date which my head wants to say so we're gonna go with that February was when that one came out and I'm also quite bad at Alex Kidd nowhere near as bad as I am as Uh, nowhere near as bad as I am at Wonderboy but I'm still not that great at Alex Kidd as some people in the chat will probably attest to because they like to poke me, prod me with a stick push me down etc yeah but uh, I did enjoy my time with Alex Kidd just uh, not very good at it again but I did beat it through the use of um, through the use of rewinds Uh, just not through the traditional means but um, you can't really blame me because it is notorious as a pretty difficult game but there we are um, and yeah, the FM version specifically, we're going to be getting into the difference of what an FM is and all that in a bit, but for the most part, you need to know two things getting into the show before we explain that. The Master System had two sound chips. One was known as PSG, that is what came with the console, the PSG sound chip, and, well, you had the FM sound chip, which it was exclusive to, j- to Japan, and in theory, it allowed for higher quality sound. Um... We'll be getting into why I think that's a bit iffy. Uh, You already know if you've listened to this show long enough. Um, But I I think it can be a bit dubious, a bit iffy, but that is one of the tracks I really actually prefer the FM version of. Um, And I'm going to have to mute my notifications now because every two seconds something is popping up on the bottom of my screen. I'm sorry guys, I'm just going to have to quickly, um, nope, that is not Do Not Disturb mode. That is Do Not Disturb mode, there we go, I'm going to have to pop myself onto Do Not Disturb. Um, But That's the one track from the brand new Alex Gidd soundtrack that I actually think is better than the original. I don't care all that much for the PSG version of the castle theme, the original one that was on the master system, which we all know somewhat love. I think that one's way better, but I don't think that with any of the other tracks. I think they're a bit botched, a bit tinny-sounding. That one, though, definitely an improvement. It's even got some new melodies, which the original didn't have, which none of the other tracks really do that. They just copy and paste the... Sound bites from the PSG version, but with different instruments. Whereas that one actually changes the song, which is why I really like it. The new, new catchy melody in the sort of middle chorusy bit is really appreciated on my part. And you can actually go ahead and request that one on the Radio Sega playlist because we are pretty much the only place that actually has a copy of the Alex Kid in Miracle World Switch soundtrack. because nowhere else really seems to have it because um, there's no official soundtrack release like there was with the Outrun uh, Switch version. And more importantly, um, no one's actually ripped the game, so they haven't hacked the game and got into the sound files like they have for other Switch games. Because no one really gives a toss, to be honest. Because they go, "Oh, this is an old game. Why would you want the music from it?" Because there's new music in it. I want the new music. I don't want the old music. I have access to the old music. I want the new stuff. So that is recorded from an auxiliary lead. Not that you can really tell, because I made sure to make it an actually higher quality recording. For that, from an album known as SegaCon, the Best of Sega Music Volume One. That was Space Harrier, the Japanese Master System BIOS. That one requires a bit of explanation, but if you already know, um, yeah, it might be a bit annoying. I already know this stuff. Move on. But not everyone knows what it is. So first of all, SegaCon. It's just an album of the best Sega game music, funnily enough. Um, so a BIOS. I need to explain what a BIOS is. It's or just bi- what what BIOS is. It's basic input output system. So. Um the sort of long and short of it is so when you turn on let's let's give a modern example when you turn on your switch and you get to the switch menu you know the one that should have music and the one that should have themes that switch menu when you turn that on um when you turn that on it'll grant you with a menu which can do various things but more importantly it'll load games that is the main part it will load games by definition the switch menu is a BIOS it, inputs and outputs data and it will send you to the game that you need to play it will do all the relevant checks to make sure you're not playing a pirate copy etc that is what a bios is and um well, back in the day they actually gave bios music remember remember when that was a thing um but specifically that's the japanese master system bios and um the american bios had music technically it had a little mini game known as snail race which was a easter egg because you weren't meant to access it through normal means but if you held a button combination then you'd be able to play the snail maze. That had music but not in the traditional bio sense of a looping background theme that plays while you select a game. The first Master System to do that was the Japanese Master System which uh, I'm not going to give you a date because I really cannot remember it but the point is that had a full on background music that just looped infinitely and it was like the space harrier theme, the iconic space harrier theme that's was basically the Green Hill of, 19, of the 1980s, because that was back before people complained that they used the Green Hill music too much. Nowadays, nowadays it's that. Back in the day, it was the Space Harrier music. Like, please stop remixing this now. We get it. We, we know what the Space Harrier theme is. Surprisingly, you don't really get those complaints anymore, but um, but that was the BIOS theme on the Japanese Master System, and it was not the BIOS theme in any of the American Master Systems, even after the Japanese one came out, for whatever reason. But... It's a really good remix, as we were saying in the chat room. Like, it's sort of weird how that remix is better than any remixes in the Space Area games, which were on the Master System. And I have two theories for that. One theory is because that remix actually uses two sound chips. It used the PSG chip, and it uses a Yamaha chip. I, I Maybe the PSG is also a Yamaha chip, but the point is it uses two chips. Um... What I imagine happens in the case of the in-game versions, and someone will probably tell me, actually, yeah, that is how it works, um, the PSG chip is being used to make the music, and the YM Yamaha chip is being used to make the sound effects, so as a result, the the BIOS music sounds so much better because you've not got to produce sound effects, therefore you can use every sound channel and every sound chip to your advantage, which you wouldn't previously be able to do, um on any of the games, but that's at least my first theory for it. The second one is just because um, processing power, because you've also got to process the game on top of processing the sound, so you can't really have these ultra-complex soundtracks because well, you've got to leave some room to actually make sure that the game runs at full speed as well, although that was never necessarily a priority on the Master System, as you'll learn... Um, As you'll probably learn throughout playing some of the games, because you won't be learning it throughout the show because you can't see the games, but you can definitely hear the soundtracks. The soundtracks are, for the most part, brilliant, but you can't help but think in some cases, I really wish they'd um, just not had any visuals on the screen so they could have put the full work into the soundtrack. Anyway, with that in mind, that is enough rambling, so I want to give a big hello to everyone on our Discord server because that is where the chat room is and you can only chat over at RadioSE.gg/discord. If, you know, if you've used Discord before, you know how it works. If you haven't used Discord before, then what you want to do is you want to go to radiose.gh4discord. So it'll prompt you to enter a username. You can enter a username, and from there you can continue chatting, and you can set username and password in the settings menu if you want to continue the chat at any other time. But it will just automatically create a throwaway account, which I know some people like. They don't like to have their email address permanently latched onto Discord. So if you'd like to do that, that's where you can come and chat. And currently in the chat room, we have... Yeah, I knew it was a mistake letting you guys change your nicknames. We got Brit Tamer, brackets nine eight, Eclipse, Electric Boogaloo. Thankfully, some normal names in there. Um, we've got somewhere around we had someone with a really stupid name. Uh, Eight Bit Gamer SN seven six four eight nine. Um, yeah, Brit, you couldn't have made that any easier for me to read, could you? Um, we also had Rapid Run II nineteen eighty. Uh, Jamie64326, I don't remember if I mentioned him because everyone keeps changing the usernames. it's really confusing, and a bit earlier on we had Skyblaze and Lemanic, and if you want to join the crazy fun you already know where to do that, but if you're not that much of a Discord user, because that's fine, we do have some non-Discord users, the other place you can go ahead and chat to us is on... Twitter, at Radio Sega, at Topical Resort, at The Green Evaporate, or using the hashtag top Resort, all those places, I'll be able to see your messages, and currently we have the likes of Haman and Nicholas over on the Twitter feed, so a shout out to you over there, and, yeah, um, I'm sort of saving, like, my big ramblings about the console and the handheld and everything about the Master System and related consoles till a bit later on in the show, but. Um, I will say to kick things off because it's important to sort of set some groundwork here in regards to my experience and why I've left this for the last episode of the season. So, um, yeah, in case it wasn't blatantly obvious, um, the Master System is a slight bit important to me with it being my first console ever and my first experience with many franchises that I now close uh, hold close to my heart, that being, you know, Sonic, um, some ones that came later on. Like Alex Kidd, Wonder Boy, even though I'm not that good at Wonder Boy, you know, I I, I like those games. I hold them quite close to my heart, regardless of, um, you know, if I'm really that good at it. But um, the point that I'm trying to get at here really is it's one of those consoles that was just such a huge inspiration. Not the inspiration, but you, you get what I sort of mean. It was a huge source of entertainment and general. Um, I don't know, it just generally drove the course of the games I played for the rest of up till now, which is a bit weird, because not many people would say that. They played the Wii once, and then they got into Call of Duty, and then they never looked back again, whereas for me, this console that I first played just shaped everything that I played. And obviously, I play other stuff which I wasn't introduced to, but it just shaped so many things that I love about gaming through this console, which was, quite frankly, out of my own time. It was a bit before my time, but yeah, I just absolutely fell in love with the stuff that I was introduced to through it to be honest, and um, a important thing to establish here is there are sort of two points in my history of the console um, so the first point of history is the childhood memories and the childhood games so we have the Sonic games we have um, some of the Light Gun games, we have um, the Sunsoft Batman game, I remember being one of them we have those sort of games, which are the childhood games, so we're going to be seeing various entries of those throughout the show, because, well, they are the nostalgic ones. And then we sort of have, um, the late childhood slash, uh, adolescent slash now slash anything else anywhere in between games, which are games which I didn't grow up with, but I just sort of found through the internet, and I actually latched onto and have a strong emotional attachment to it, even though, you know, they're not. Um games which are necessarily sentimental but I really enjoyed them and I have a attachment to them and they're quite special but they're not on the same pedestal as those original sort of set of games in a sense so a lot of stuff coming up during this show that follows those sort of lines and I've tried to make a nice blend of both but that does mean in some cases there's quite a few sonic tracks up tonight and that's also not really helped by you guys let's be honest there but um I've tried to balance it out because we've got more songs than usual. We've got larger blocks of music than usual. So I've tried to balance out the childhood picks with the now picks. And I think for the most part, I've gone for a fairly, uh, a fairly balanced diet. And we'll be seeing here in the next block, there's some stuff I haven't even played. But I just enjoy the music so much that um, well, we we got to gotta sneak in some stuff from it. So that's how I'm going to be playing this one. Anyway, that's what you guys have been saying down on the Discord feed before um, you get into this. Also, Electric says that the Sunsoft Batman wasn't on Master System. Um, I'm thinking of a different Batman then. I swear it was Sunsoft. Right, uh, Sunsoft Batman Master System. Yeah, it's not coming up on search results, but I'll look anyway. Um, what is it then? What? Who made this? Um, it's not Sunsoft, then who the hell is it? There's no there's no name on the box. That's not helpful at all, guys. Um, and also, yeah, the general consensus I'm getting from looking this up is that this game is not very good, which I sort of expected. I have no clue who made it, though. Um, yeah, not a, not a sausage, but someone will correct me in the chat room. Brilliant, Electric's just linked the exact... Pa- no, actually, it's not Electric, is it? That's um, Brit. STOP CHANGING YOUR USERNAMES! <laughs> It's not hard. That um, that's the Mega Drive version. I'm not. I'm not on the Mega Drive. Um, I'm on the Master System. There we go. Thank. Thank you, Sega Retro, for doing the thing. Um, it was developed by Aspect. Aspect. I thought so highly of you. How could you do this to me? Um, although, actually, saying that, it, it it received decent reviews. I'm seeing, and it's e- extremely obvious looking at the screenshots. I have very vague memories of this game, but. Looking at the screenshots, oh my god, this is Aspect. <laughs> Between the scrolling water, which looks exactly like the stuff in um, all the Sonic games they did and the life counter and the way the sprites are drawn. Yeah, that that's clearly Aspect. <laughs> Sound management, Yuzo Koshiro! Ha. Huh. <laughs> right, um, I didn't actually know Yuzo Koshiro had any involvement with this game. Um, now, that I, now that I know that, um, there we go. Interesting stuff, yeah. Either way, um, so you're complaining to me that I'm not getting my information right, I really don't care to be honest. Um, aside from that, you're just talking about random nonsense, random, random Mega CD games, which of course, because this is the Mega CD episode, that was about two years ago, um, but we'll, we'll let you guys off the hook for that one. Either way, um, it's probably about time that we kick things up in the sense that we got an over onto the Trivia Coast, because there's quite a lot of explaining left to do, and well... I need to give you as much time as possible to answer these questions because I don't think they're particularly nice this week. Just a warning. Anyway, Trivia Coast time.
0: Trivia Coast.
1: Let me tell you, I'm really missing the fan right now because um, I got on over to this segment and I sort of lowered, or I um, brought up the bed and I g- grabbed a drink and I realised, flippin' neck, it's incredibly warm in here. Um, I should probably do something about that. Except I can't. The window's open, the fan's on. That, that's it. That, that, that's the end of this one. Um, so, yes, yeah, the Trivia Coast. This is our weekly game show where you are playing for points. Points related to your knowledge, your same education, your general trivia. Relating to say, if you know it, that's the point. If you know some trivia relating to say, you probably know some of the answers to this quiz, and that is the whole point. I'm going to ask you a hard question, a medium question, and an easy question. Hard question being worth five points, the medium question being worth three, and the easy question worth one point. And they're all related to the topic at hand. So that means if you know anything about it, you're probably at an advantage. But do also remember that Google is allowed. Google is more of a tool in your arsenal rather than the key to your success. But anyway, um, I digress. With that in mind, because there is something worth noting tonight, and that is the fact that you are playing for an actual prize again. Because, courtesy of the lovely folks over at Sega Shop Europe, you're it. You are in with the chance of winning an Alex Kidd shirt. <laughs> yep, yeah, a lovely Alex Kidd shirt, which I'm quite jealous of because I would, I would really like the shirt. Um, but yeah, a huge shout out goes to them. It is worth mentioning. Um, that regardless of if you live in Europe or not, I'll be able to ship the prize to you. If you live in Europe, then Sega Shop will directly send the prize to you. If you don't live in Europe, I'll get them to send it to me, I'll include a nice note, and I'll pack it off to wherever you are in the world. Um, will I regret that one? Yeah, probably, but I'd rather not lock off the giveaway to a specific subset of listeners, because seriously, we have a whole bunch of people listening from around the globe, regardless of you lurking if you're Doing whatever tonight, if you're in the chat or if you're lurking. We have a whole bunch of people who I really don't want to invalidate in this competition. So, but I should say as well, there's only one place to play this, that is Discord. I am over on Discord. You're going to need to join the server, which I've already linked to you. If you're not on the server, um, that's it's quite bad. <laughs> RadioSE.GF or Discord. I didn't really want to have to say it again, but I will. And I'm at the very top of the user list. I'm Green Vaporate Live. Uh, you need to private message me your answers and. One thing as well, you're allowed to answer any question in the order you like. So say I ask you the medium question, you're allowed to answer the the hard question still. Um, That is how it goes. Anyway, um, I think I've made these questions quite brutal this week. So I apologise in advance, but if you know them, you know them. Don't say, oh, it was easy, because it it really isn't easy. uh, Good luck. But if you know them, that doesn't mean they're easy. The hard question tonight is... One of the more notable features of the Master System that it had over the NES was that it was able to have games built into the console by leaving enough room on the BIOS for the game ROM. Alex Kidd was perhaps the most famous of all the games to do this, however many other people remember the likes of Snail Maze and Sonic the Hedgehog. Corners had to be cut to make sure that the BIOS were able to co- or the and the game were able to coexist, such as cutting important piracy checking code from the BIOS and omitting features from the games themselves. What is missing from the built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog One? What is missing from the built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog One? Let me know your answer on Discord. You're playing for five points. Every point you get gives you another entry into the random giveaway. Best of luck if you're wanting that shirt. Also, I should say as well, there are any. It's in any size you want. However, I have been alerted that some sizes aren't available. So, if you're one of those sizes that aren't available, um, I will get in contact with Save Shop Europe to rearrange it. You'll get something else you're choosing either way. You won't be out of pocket just because your shirt size is too large or too small. Don't worry about that one. That'll all be sorted. You'll get something you're choosing instead if Alex Kid is out of stock for your size. Either way, in the meantime, it's time for some more music, so I decided to get in something that wasn't related to the question. It was one of the launch titles of the console, and it's probably one of the better games for it, to be honest. Well, there's plenty of great games, but this is one of them that's generally regarded as really up there with the greats. And so is the soundtrack from the 8-bit version of Teddy Boy. This is the Teddy Boy Blues theme, and this is the season finale of the Topical Resort, only on Radio Sega.
0: Topical Resort. Quest Resort. Send your request relating to the topic of the episode in a tweet to at Radio Sega or the Green Viper 8. Or send it in a Discord DM to Green Viper 8 through our Discord server at RadioSE.ga forward slash Discord. Hasty History
1: That right there was Mystical Mountains from Psycho Fox, a game which I always hear the world and more about, but I've, for some reason, just not picked it up yet. I have no clue what that is either. But then again, if I check my eBay history, um, my eBay history—if I check eBay history and looked it up—it's probably been about ten years since I last purchased an actual Master System cartridge. I almost purchased Atlas in and Shinobi World*, well, but um, I have a story about that one. But that was the closest I've come in the last ten years. I, I genuinely think it has been. That's, that's just not me saying ten years to round it. I think 2009 is the last time I recall buying one. Um, but yeah, no. I haven't bought one in all that time, and there's been so many games that people have recommended, like Alex Kidd and Shinobi World and Psycho Fox, but I just never really get round to it, I always just end up playing it on an emulator, which is absolutely blasphemous, and, or I end up playing it on an Everdrive, and I just never actually play things on the real console, and I think that's because, um... Uh, Master System 2 Gang Life, which, for those of you who aren't really all that in the know about your console variants, um, the Master System 2, first of all, gorgeous console, second of all, um... For some reason they got rid of all the video options on it, I, I assume it was to make it cheaper, but as a result you can only do RF out, or for those of you um, you don't understand what that means, because I think it might be a different term in America, like a TV tuner output, so the console is like, you tune your TV in to the console through the aerial lead, it's a bit nuts, looks terrible, looks so much worse than anything you've ever watched through a TV aerial in your life, but um, yeah, it's absolutely unserviceable to play now in 2019 on a flat screen TV, so as a result I just never play on the real thing, therefore I never use my actual cartridges, therefore I don't really ever need to buy the cartridges, that's how my life has panned out, it's quite it's quite tragic really actually, uh, thinking about it, no no, it's not, it's just because I haven't used the console, but you get the point here, I always just end up playing stuff on emulator, I never go my way to buy stuff, and um, the story relating to the Alex Kidd cartridge. The reason I haven't bought, the reason I didn't buy it, it was I got really close to buying it. Um, so I saw it in a second-hand shop. Uh, it wasn't a charity shop. Um, it was. Uh, why is why have I suddenly gone blank on the name of it? It was a cash converters type shop or a a pawn shop for you Americans, because uh, some of you. What's a cash converter? Right, that, that's what it is. Um, but. They were selling Alice Kid and Shinobi World and it was like 5 quid and I was like wow 5 quid but they wouldn't sell it to me without the, um, without the console. The console cost £50. No. <laughs> it was a Master System 2 as well. If it was a Master System 1 I would have to pay £50 for it because that is a pretty good price for that. And the fact that I can actually use RGB SCART so I can have a good output signal from a Master System that'd help. Um, but mm, yeah very expensive. Um, for the console when I really just wanted the game I didn't really want the console on top of it so I never ended up buying it and I never actually purchased it online as a result um, uh, Madakuchi-san yeah, brings up something interesting actually also hello Madakuchi-san Magi- uh, he says that feel when born too late and in the wrong place to ever play the Sega console that's a very good point because um, I- I'm going to need to double check this I'm like 99% confident on this but I will double check anyway over on Twitter I'm really confident, but now I look like I'm not at all. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, Madacuji is from the Philippines, which are pretty infamous for um, not getting Sega consoles. It's a very good point that I never really actually factor in on this show, is that we're talking about games that a lot of people... It's not just, oh, I didn't grow up with them, but I have access to an emulator. It's, we're, we're talking about games that a lot of people lived in the wrong country, so they could just they couldn't access any of it. We're talking about stuff that is well, you know, they might know about it from having played it on an emulator, but we're talking about stuff that literally never came out for some people. That's a bit weird. You know, they've just heard about these things in passing or they played them. It was never, like, a commercial release or something newsworthy. You know, it wasn't ever advertised on TV. These are just things that came out, and I never really factored that into these shows, actually. It's quite weird um, thinking about it from that way, because, I I don't know, I guess I've never had to think about it, because I come from a place where it's just sort of expected that you're gonna get the latest game releases. You know, even back as far as 10 years ago, it was expected that you get the latest game releases like three or four months after everyone else, but you still get them. That's more than some countries ever got with these old games, and well nowadays you can't really get away with that, but back then, yeah, just... Uh, I don't really... Even though the Philippines is huge... I, uh, I, don't, I don't really feel like it. Mm, this is, that, that, that was a general attitude to sacred Ages, but that's still like less so than Nintendo. Nintendo were really lethargic at releasing stuff in places that weren't America and the US for a while. But um, it was yeah, it was bad in Europe. So if it was bad for us in the 80s and 90s, you can only sort of imagine what people in like the Asian countries that weren't the big Asian countries went through, or the Benelux countries and those sort of things. It's really weird. Um and <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that comment. <laughs> um but I I actually we have the same thing with j Star, because j Star's from the Philippines, I never really factored that one in with him because he seems to be like this huge encyclopedia Sega knowledge, and yet half the stuff was never officially released to him. I never felt that in I never factored that in either, it's sort of weird. And something that I've never awfully considered. Um <laughs> That's really awkward, I couldn't ignore that. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, it's the time for the hasty history segment, and for those of you who've never heard of it, well, um, don't be thankful, because it's a brilliant segment, but it's a segment where we go through the history, something relating to the topic of the episode as quickly as possible, as you can tell by the fact that I'm speaking really fast right now. Oh my goodness. Some say I speak too fast. Actually, most say I speak too fast. That's a trait. That's a trait I've um, picked up. Also, hello, J-Star Max, I just noticed you're in the chat room. Um, <laughs> but either way, um, you... you yeah, you, you sort of get the point we're getting at there. But uh, yeah, normally I, I was told I was told that on earlier episodes I spoke too slow. So as a result, I picked up a habit of speaking way too fast. So that's on purpose. That adds to the show, in my opinion, speaking really fast. But I, I always do have to factor in that we do have a lot of people whose first language isn't English. Um, so I should probably stop doing that. But uh, no, I, I I refuse. I refuse to give up. Um, anyway. So we have three things to go from the hasty history tonight. I know that is more than the normal one, but hey, you've got to do the big blowout for the final episode of the series, right? So we have the Mark III, the Master System, and the Game Gear all up for grabs. All up for grabs? You're not grabbing at them. You're just listening to me talking about them. So um, it's important before we get into the actual Master System, the meat and potatoes of the show, you know, the nitty gritty, it's important that we talk about the Mark III for those of you who haven't heard of it, or for those of you who have, the significance of it. So the Mark III console was released in October 1985. It was pretty heavily based on the SG-1002, that's where the name comes from, which in itself is heavily based on the SG-1000, a console first released by Sega. It was the first released in Japan, but made its way to South Korea and Taiwan, but it would never leave Asia. Perhaps it is most notable for being rebranded as the Sega Master System overseas, and later in its home country, but had a def- decent shelf life ahead of it in Japan before that would happen. Another one of its notable features that it actually had over the Western Master System is the FM sound module, an expansion that allowed for higher quality and theoretically better music. It is entirely opinionated, but I will always side with the built-in PSG over FM, as well technically impressive, most songs used using the FM lack the overall polish that the PSG has, most likely due to the lower install base, meaning less emphasis was put on developing for the add-on. There we go, that's my more in-depth opinion, because people always say, eh, FM's better. And um, oh, I understand why you think that, but here's why I personally think, I just think it's less polished. And that's because, well, only really Japanese games focus on it. And even of that, the, the install base for FM was significantly lower than those who have PSG, so why hire big budget composers or spend time learning the craft when you can just make it really quickly, those of them who have the add-on. Uh, the Mark III also boasted backwards compatibility although this is no longer a selling point on the second hand market. The Master System also has full backwards compatibility, however it is inaccessible without flash cartridges due to the the shape of the cartridge slot, but many accessories will allow you to play SG-1000 games on your Western console in 2019. But in Japan it is as simple as plugging and playing if you're willing to swallow the price of even basic SG-1000 games. (laughs) The Mark III was discontinued in 1989 due to lower than expected sales. Nintendo's Famicom absolutely dominated in the region, and Sega would need to put in their full effort into the Mega Drive if they were to succeed, and most of us, no, know, most of us know how that went in Japan. Once the dust was settled, the Mark III clocked in at 1.7 million sales. Uh, incredibly shy of, of the Famicom. Anyway, so it's about time that well we saw a success story. The SG1000 was an absolute failure. The Mark 3 slightly less so. I think it's about time something went in Sega's favor. Favor favor and oh boy, the Master System definitely did and it is a long one. It, it, far from hasty so strap you yourself in. The Master System first saw a release in the US in 1986 with Japan and the UK receiving the system in 1987. With most regions siding with one of these dates. That is, all except for Brazil, who saw the Master System in 1989. The reason for them being mentioned despite being usually omitted is either obvious or will be expanded on later. The Master System was the international retooling of the Mark III. The reasoning for doing so was mostly brand recognition, as outside of Japan and Australia, most people had not heard of the Sega brand, nor the SG-1000 models, so marketing a machine as their third console was a bit lost on most countries. The actual console redesign was most likely due to Western audiences not clicking with the Mark III's design, as Japan's vision of futuristic technology did not align with those alternate re- visions of other countries. Interestingly, despite it being extremely obvious not to market it as a sequel console, the Master System was developed under the codename Mark IV, before someone from the development team actually came to their senses and realised this is probably a bad idea. The last system's fate, at first glance, would seem similar to that of the Mark III's—a complete disaster with dominance in, or a complete disaster due to dominance in hardware sales and software hoarding at Nintendo of America and Nintendo of Japan. When looking at it on, e- or when looking at it either at the beginning or the end of its life cycle, but it's worth considering that there are other, other factors in play in the story. The console had performed horribly in America for the reasons I just listed, but it held out long enough to receive Sonic One as its final title giving that, giving it that little bit of extra push that it needed just to barely be a failure and not on the disaster of a nuclear scale. Looking at it p- from the perspective of her Brit though, the tale goes a whole lot differently. A lot of people are aware that Sega dominated in the UK, but did you know that most of that was down to pure luck? It's true, a combination of Nintendo screwing over the UK, home computers just barely fizzling out in time for the launch, and a complete scrub of handing out inventory- What? Wait, hang on. Let's begin with Nintendo. Mattel launched the NES in UK in a spectacularly, uh, a spectacularly disastrous fashion. Extremely expensive games, poor advertising and selling it in unfitting shops such as chemists, brackets, drugstores for you Americans, instead of supermarkets and computer shops. Nintendo were like led to shoot themselves in the foot again by taking over the NES in the region, and a new v- or, uh, making a new version of the NES where the games were incompatible with the old version. Meaning if you owned a Mattel NES, you couldn't play games from the Nintendo one. And if you owned a Nintendo one, you couldn't play games from the Mattel one. And they still sold games for both versions. So it was possible you could buy the wrong version, open it, and then you can't get a refund. Whoops, you have a cartridge which you can't use. Yeah, there's a reason that Nintendo didn't catch on really all that much in the UK. Except for certain markets. Um... Most, for the most part, though, home computers would reign supreme. Then here comes Sega, launching over a year after they decided, to, or launching over a year after the Nintendo, and also deciding that they were going to hand over distribution to a third party, Mastertronic's. Ooh, we're not going well here. Sega then failed to hand over their stock for the Mastertronic's uh, distribution for Christmas, meaning hundreds, if not thousands, of orders were cancelled, and then they put Mastertronic's on the edge of collapse. Not a good start. Mastertronics being on the verge of bankruptcy, however, means that Virgin Interactive are able to swoop in and purchase the company, leading them to become Virgin Mastertronics. You'd probably better know them nowadays as Sega Europe. Yeah, they, they became Sega Europe. And here's where the success story kicks in. Yada yada yada. the Master System absolutely dominates the UK and a good chunk of Europe. I can't give you quite as comprehensive of a history for Brazil as I can for the UK, given that I'm not from the region, so I will instead try my best. Sega's success come back in the day comes from the country, uh, Sega's success back in the day in the country comes down to them being the only com- uh, only company to actually really give a toss, and that's not even on them whatsoever. Sega had no clue what to do in Brazil, so they handed over the rights to the beloved company Tech Toy. They realised there was a serious market for cheap game systems and got to reworking the Master System as a budget console. It was huge, to put it lightly. TechToy's brilliant translations and localizations brought in a new market of hardcore gamers who are still passionate about the Sega brand today, and if it wasn't for TechToy, they'd likely be stuck on Famicom clones playing unlicensed nonsense for the rest of their gaming lives. The success in the region isn't just down to the initial years though, as Sega, but especially the Master System, are still loved over there, even as much as they were back then, and it's all because the system just refuses to die. New games and ports were released all throughout the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s, all officially. New hardware and peripherals are still released, even now, living a long lasting leg- legacy that just won't give in. No wonder Sega is still the strongest sp- gaming brand in the country, even though they don't make new consoles, and it's all down to a result of Tech Toys love. Once Brazil and the UK had their numbers t- tallied after the eventual official demise, the numbers clocked in at around 20 million. Not bad for a console that's history as being unable to beat Nintendo, right? And that all leads us to the Game Gear as that got bundled into this somehow. How about that old Game Gear? Released as a direct response to the Game Boy, Sega souped up their Master System in a handheld format, boasting a color screen over Nintendo's dominant console. Oh, co- handheld console. First released in 1990 in Japan, the handheld would see continuous, varia- uh, continuous releases throughout the decade in other regions and in other forms. Sega were finally able to crack North America with the Game Gear at least somewhat as the handheld is significantly more fondly remembered than the Master System and in other regions it performed just okay, but nowhere near the levels of the Nintendo Game Boy nor the Master System. Still it had a good go. For those of you who didn't grow up with it, generally the Game Gear riddles their mind with infamy. This is due to two factors, screen crunch and battery. Despite it being built in line with screen standards of the time, the Game Gear was infamous for games with low screen resolution, meaning it was difficult to see various stage obstacles obstacles and stage hazards. This is even more bizarre when it was found out that the Game Gear is actually capable of a higher resolution than any game takes advantage of, but they chose not to use it as they wanted to make the player's sprites larger. Because larger is better, right? The battery was also an issue, with six AA batteries being required and not lasting longer than a couple of hours. Still, the Game Gear had some good exclusives, but many would argue that factors outside of Sega's control dented its legacy. Normally, I tend to avoid talking about what a console was like the years after it was released, but the Game Gear is worth mentioning here. As of the past couple of years, as in the past five to ten, the console has gained a new reputation as being extremely unreliable. This is due to the faulty parts used in the console, somewhat relating to the cartridge reading, but especially in relation to the screen. It is easier to find a Game Gear with a dim or pure white screen in 2019 than it is to find a working condition unit. This is due to the decreased quality in screen capacitors during the 1990s, something that would not be entirely redeemed in time for the end of production. Yes, these issues can be fixed if you're in the know on technological repairs, but if you're not, you're on your own or you're playing the working Game Gear lottery. Once the dust had settled, the Game Gear wrapped up in most regions around the mid to late 90s and sold a couple million. Majesco interestingly would give it one last crack in 1999 in the US only, releasing the Game Gear at a budget price with budget software along with improved specs such as a better screen, BIOS, and well, uh, what, what was the other one? Better cartridge reading, that's it. It was a little too late, however, with the GBA looming and more powerful hardware already being on the market, the Majesco Game Gear did not handle well in the year of 1999. There we go, that was the history of all the consoles relating to the 8-bit dominance of Sega, or dominance depending on where you live. Depending on where you live as well, um, yeah, there wasn't dominance at all. That probably is the case for most of you, because I mean, we have quite a large chunk of Americans in here nowadays. Um... Adekuji-san says uh, some stuff, he says some interesting stuff that I'm going to keep reading out actually because it is a completely different take on the Sega stories that I've mentioned throughout this show, in fact throughout, well, this entire series. Um, he says, Electric Wrigaloo says Genesis' codename was Mark V, which I had actually completely forgotten and that is quite frankly one of the worst things I've ever heard. If it actually came out as a name Mark V, um... There's no saving them, is there at all? Uh, Madaguchi-san says, I don't know how to feel about it. I feel more bad about the fact that I'm super broke to even buy the Genesis Mini here if it releases. I've only ever been able to own a PSP, PS2 and Xbox 360 and was able to consistently borrow Wii till it broke. Um, They also say some other stuff, which was actually the stuff I meant to read out. Uh, Also, Sega most likely did not think of Southeast Asia as a tactical region compared to the US plus Europe plus Japan. Which is also why the TechToy thing, uh, why tech Toy was a thing in Brazil. Sega just couldn't afford dealing with all countries, and it was only after Sega went third-party that video games were getting out of niche for these c- countries, which made it easier for the generation of Sony versus Nintendo versus Microsoft. Well, which is the region that, from what I've gathered, the PS2 was an absolute powerhouse in Asia. Uh, not Asia, sorry, uh, in the Philippines. Just everywhere, I always see one fond memories and two. Everyone seemed to own one, mainly because it was pretty easy to pirate for. But mainly, um, yeah, mainly piracy. I'm not, I'm not going to beat around that bush. But yeah, there we go. Hasty history. Um, I I think I'm just going to go and get on over into the trivia coast. We've spoken for long enough. It's already eight o'clock. Well beyond the time which we should be here at. But either way, um, so far, one of you has got the answer correct for the first round of the trivia coast. At least from what I've seen. I will keep looking because some of you guys have sent me messages. I just haven't been able to see. Um but yeah we got a medium question. I I don't think the medium question is much easier unless you uh can get your head around the wording, because it's a pretty easy question. Just good luck getting your head around the wording. Anyway, it's time for round two of the Trivia Coast.
0: Trivia Coast
1: Yep, we are back, so you may recall on the first round I asked you the question. What is omitted from the built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog 1 on Master System 2 consoles? So what is the omitted, or what is omitted from the built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog 1 on Master System 2 consoles? There was that one, and now there is the medium question, which could earn you three points. Remember, you can only enter on Discord and you can only private message me, being with a chance of winning. The medium question. One feature that the Game Gear was able to boast was that you were able to watch TV on the console through the use of the TV tuner adapter. This console was pushed quite hard in the US as it allowed for the console to get in the hands of non-gamers, but they didn't push it quite as heavily as it was pushed in the UK, going as far as to bundle it in with the majority, if not of of uh, the majority of, if not all, Game Gears. However, on what date did the TV tuner stop working in England? So, on what date did the Game Gear TV tuner stop working in England? Not in the UK, in England. Let me know your answer on Discord, and while we do that, it's time for your oh-so-lovely request, and we have some good ones coming up tonight. Huge thank you to everyone, we'll be giving, or we'll be listing off the uh, all the requests and all the thanks, etc., in just a little while, once we get to the end of this block, but for now, there's some music, and there's a pick from myself, and it's the first Sonic track of the night, but uh, it certainly won't be the last from the 8-bit version of Sonic 1, this is Jungle Zone, and this is a Yuzo Koshiro bop, turn the volume up.
0: Request Results
1: ending theme from Streets of Rage to the Game Gear version there as requested by BrickGamer98 of course the uh, Streets of Rage games on Game Gear and I think uh, TechToy put them on Master System Uh, those games actually had soundtracks done by Yuzo Koshiro himself it wasn't outsourced to someone else because they were cheaper ports no Yuzo Koshiro actually ended up handling all the music for them himself and as a result they are really good soundtracks obviously Nowhere near the level of the originals, but he knew what he was doing with a master system as much as he knew what he was doing with a Mega Drive, and it, it shows in those soundtracks, and that's probably the best track on it. They're the good ending theme. For that from Gavellius, Valley of Doom. I'm not going to try and... Mao Gavellius. Uh, that's the ending theme, the PSG version. There was a lot of PSG tra- tracks in there, which proves my point that PSG was dominant, because it was better. Um, that was requested by Electric Boogaloo. For that, from the Master System version of Ninja Gaiden, also known as the better version of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, that's right. I said it NES Fanboys, it's better. That was Escape in a Forest, a banging shoot And for that, a game about ninjas, but slightly more mystical kind. I'm not talking about Mystical Ninja, I'm talking about Alex Kidd in Shinobi World. A game originally known as Shinobi Kid in development, um, but they shifted away from that one and made it about Alex Kidd. His final starring role in the game, which is very sad. Released in 1990 as well. That was round one. A request by myself because Alex Kidd didn't. I I wasn't gonna have another Alex Kidd. I was just gonna leave it a one track. But honestly, um, I had that song in my head the entire week while planning this episode. The round one theme, so I had to go with that one. I had to sneak that into the request block. Before that, from Outrun 3D, that was Shining Wind, the original PSG version, requested by J Star Max. But also from Outrun 3D, that was Midnight Highway, the original, the FM sound version. So bit of an fm psg war there i have to say i actually quite like the fm version of midnight highway arguably more than the psg version which i might put some people off uh considering the entire war that i've started up again during this episode um but there's also the switch version which recently came out the switch version of outrun featured midnight highway as an unlockable song or not unlockable it's just flat out there from the beginning featured midnight highway as a song redone in the style of uh the original game soundtrack so redone on the Superscalar sound chip and it sounds awesome. I sort of wish Jamie had requested that one because I would have quite happily played it, but um yeah. From Hour 3D, the Midnight Highway original FM version. For that, from the 8-bit version of Sonic Hedgehog, Kicking of the Block, that was Jungle Zone, a Yuzo Koshiro bop certified. It's such a good song. Um I, I had a really difficult time picking what song I wanted from Sonic the Hedgehog 1 uh, Master System version because... It's an incredibly—it's the most sentimental game on on this uh, on on the console and probably ever for me. So it was important that I put a song from that one specifically in somewhere, um, and I had a really tough time. And I thought, well, I've already played Bridge Zone on the show before. I've played um, the Marble unused uh, the unused Marble Zone theme. I've played. The bonus stage theme. I played the Labyrinth Zone theme. I don't think I played the Jungle theme. I think the Jungle theme is actually my favourite song in the game. I've never played it. So Jungle from some of the Hedgehog 8-bit, the Master System and Game Gear versions. A brilliant game in its own right, and I I'd argue it's better than the 16-bit version. Sorry, sorry, Mega Drive fanboys. Uh, I'm one of you, but I apologise. Um, the 8-bit version of Sonic One's better. I wouldn't say that about the Sonic Two at all, but 8-bit Sonic One. Yeah, significantly more creative game that has better music as well to boot. That's not saying any disservices to Sonic One, the Mega Drive is a brilliant game, just eight bits better. It's all about the the less bits in this case, I because um the whole thing in the nineties with the marketing was it's all about more bits and it wasn't because eight bit eight bit Sonic One was better. Anyway, yeah, that was the Request Resort segment, and now it's just the the chill segment where we just talk about games, but if you read the blog post, which is over on um you would notice that I put a little note underneath the games list, which I always have, which says, I'm aware there's well over 100 games on this list. I'm also well aware that I'm missing probably another 100. I'm not sitting there writing this out uh, to include all the new games. So normally I would go through and tell you like all my opinions on these games, etc, but honestly just there's too many, there's way too many to single in on, so instead to start off this block I'm going to ask you what are your must System memories, what are your favourite games, what are your favourite soundtracks, let me know on Discord or on Twitter and I will read them out at the end of the block, but for now, now that I've got that process underway I guess I should um, actually get into my experiences with the console. So um, the first experiences begin around the early 2000s. I couldn't tell you when in the early 2000s, but uh, it was the early 2000s, and there are two games that come out of this period that I really remember, specifically in the early 2000s, that being Sonic 1, which I is honestly um, I, I used to remember quite a bit further back, but nowadays I genuinely cannot remember further back. That playing 8-bit Sonic 1 is my first ever memory. That's quite tragic, isn't it? But um, It's true. Um, yeah, I used to be able to remember further back than that, but I really can't now. So that that forever remains. Like, my first memory is like that and being stuck in the special stage. Um, I, I still get stuck in the special stage, just that hasn't really changed all these years later. But uh, that, yeah, that's just how I remember it. That, that specific memory sort of um, blinds closed, tube TV on. Playing, um, playing the sort of twister, um, weirdly coloured. Fl- um, do they still make flubs? Or whatever they're called, the stuff like that, the weird, twisty, marshmallowy um, sweets. They still make them because that's what the bumpers look like at the special stage. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Um, but that, yeah, that's the first thing I ever remember. Outside of that, um, I remember playing a lot of Gangsta, uh, gangsta, is it Gangster Rally? I always want to call it Gangster Rally, but I actually don't think it is. Gangster Town is the name of it. I don't know why I always call it Gangster Rally. I swear oh. it's called Gangsta Rally at some point, but maybe it wasn't. Gangster Town is the other game that I remember playing quite vividly. Um, we had a few light gun games. That's the only one I remember. Outside of that, um, I I didn't remember this until I actually um, ended up looking at the games part a few years ago, but there was a lot of stuff like the Olympics, uh, uh, Trivial Pursuit, those sort of games were the ones we had. And um, eventually, I I was a bit older, I wasn't really all that old, but then I started getting into buying a couple games here and there for the console, Um, so I ended up buying... Batman, the Aspects Batman game, which we've already talked about. It, uh, the reason for that was because I just looked up Master System games one day on eBay, and um, it was a quid, so, so we bought it. And it, I, I couldn't get beyond like the first screen, not even the first level, the first screen I couldn't clear. It was quite tragic, really, but, but yeah. <laughs> the other game that I ended up buying, uh, the only other cartridge I really remember actually buying that wasn't already you know purchased along with the console or bought before my Experience with the console was Sonic 2, um, which I have a stupid story of Sonic 2, which was the fact of um, so I found out that Sonic 2 was a Master System, and well, I knew I knew these games were a Master System long before I knew they were on Mega Drive. I didn't know they were Mega Drive games until like 2009 around there. Um, my story with Sonic 2. Was um, It was around the time I bought Sonic 2 that the Virtual Console on the Wii was a thing, and it started to have Master System games. Um, so there was some infinite wisdom going on here. So we ended up getting a cartridge of Sonic 2 for the Master System. Then while we were expecting it, because it it was eBay, so there was like a 2-3 day delivery, while we were expecting it, I, I decided to, to buy Sonic 2 on the Virtual Console, as in the Master System version of Sonic 2 on Virtual Console. To this day, I, I guess I understand my logic back then, but to this day, I, I really don't understand that logic at all. So I, I bought the same game twice. space <laughs> of like two days. Which, um you know, people like Callum with his however many copies of Sadex are probably laughing at me right now, but that's uh, yeah, how it be, how it do. Um, yeah, That's my only other game that I ever really bought on cartridge, and interestingly enough, Sonic 2 doesn't really work anymore. Um, It just flat out refuses to read every time I've tried to play it, so... That master, that that master system copy useless. That Wii copy that I shouldn't have bought is the only way that I can still play it. But hey, the virtual console's down now as of this year, so you can't rebuy it. If you ever lived in America, you can no longer legally play Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog Two. So um, look forward to that. Um, once your Wii start breaking down, you'll never be able to legally play the game again. Um, that's an interesting one. That I'll get it to in a second. Um, yeah, any second now I will um, get to that because you guys are saying some cool stuff down in the chat room but aside from that, um, that's really my only memories of the actual console a lot of my other memories come from playing Game Gear games on collections or playing virtual console or uh, playing on emulators my, my memories of the actual console are quite brief but I never really stopped playing the games just hooking up the console is cumbersome and it doesn't look very good on modern TVs so I just sort of stopped doing it but there was a quite a uh, there was a period of a few years where I sort of regularly got out the Mars system and played Sonic One and never really got beyond Bridge Zone. But when I did, it was a glorious day. When I got to Jungle Zone, um, it was good. And fun fact, I didn't actually ever beat um, Sonic One Eight Bit for the first time this year um, because how it worked out was I found that the Virtual Console was closing, so I went Ah, I'm gonna re-download all my Virtual Console games, which I did. And then I sort of had this lull of, oh, I really want to play Master System stuff again. So I did. So I beat 8-Bit Sonic 1 in its entirety, and yeah, it's still brilliant. It's the first time I've ever done it, and I also beat 8-Bit Sonic 2 for the first time, which I've never done, and um, it it wasn't very brilliant. I don't like 8-Bit Sonic 2 really that much. It starts off so good as in the the first act. (laughs) The rest of the game nosedives in quality very quickly. It's a well-built game, just not a well-designed one at all. No, oh, give me 8-bit Sonic 1 any day of the week. Give me Sonic Chaos any day of the week, because that's the one I'd probably say is the most technically sound and probably tied for my favourite tied for my favorite Master System game in general, actually. Um, and yet, yeah, I've never bought the cartridge for it, and I really don't know why, because I've seen it in second-hand shops enough to where I probably should have bought it, and... It's cheap enough on eBay to where I should probably buy it before it goes up in value, but... uh, Sonic Chaos is an awesome game, but yeah, I've only ever played it through the Virtual Console, which is uh, a bit disgraceful of me, to be honest. So, there's that. I should say as well, um, since this is... I I have completely forgot that this is an episode about the Game Gear as well. Um, I've I've never played a Game Gear. I've I've never even seen a Game Gear in person. Um, They're nowhere near as common in the UK as they are in the US, although I know quite a lot of our US listeners do love their Game Gears. Um yeah the chances of me getting one anytime soon are slim but I would like one The chance of me getting a working one are slim but uh, maybe I can work that te- technological prowess and by that I mean uh, uh, no I'm dreadful but if I tried I could uh, I, I have the, the the tool set and I have the skill set I just don't have the how the hell do I do this set which is the main thing really holding me back from doing any sort of repairs or anything So if I want a game gear I'm a bit out of luck at this point Either way, yeah, it was worth mentioning that, because uh, I knew someone would bring it up, like, why why are you neglecting this console? And I say this in the blog post as well, um, I really have no memories of the Game Gear, and I, in fact, this was just going to be a Master System show, but I knew one person would go, hey eh, I really want to request this specific game, and why don't you bundle, in, bundle them in in one, etc. Which, I knew that would happen, so I just, eh, stuff it, we'll do both at once, I guess, because... Otherwise, we just have to come back and then we play the exact same music again. Um, so it's just not really worth it in that sense. Anyway, out, outside of the childhood games, we have we have the other years' games, which is um, some new favourites of mine. The the one that springs to mind first that I really want to talk about is Fancy Zone. Actually, um, Fancy Zone. I've never thoroughly played the Master System ones, but it's it's an awesome series. I, I wish we got more of it. I I love Fancy Zone. Um so it's for those of you who've never played it, by the way, you're doing yourself a huge disservice, it's a space spaceship shooter that's incredibly cute. So it's a shoot 'em up or a shmup, which Fancy Zone is the first in a genre or a subgenre which people have dubbed as the cut-em-up. So it's just incredibly cutesy graphics combined with spaceships shooting each other out of the sky. Um, they're brutally difficult games, not as much as other shmups, but very hard, um, not, not for the faint of heart. And some people say, "Oh, they're easy, but they're not, they're just easy for people who like shmups, or people who've played the game before. It's not a particularly easy or beginner-friendly game at all. But they are fantastic, I'm horrible at them, but I really do enjoy them, and especially Fantasy Zone 2 I want to bring up here, because... Well, Fancy Zone 2 was an exclusive to the Master System for many, many years. For well over 10 years, it was only 2008-odd when M2, the guys behind the Sega Ages series on the Switch and 3D Classics, decided that when they were doing Sega Ages on the PS2, they said, oh, maybe we could port uh, Fancy Zone 2 back to the old arcade hardware, which is leaps and bounds above what the Master System could do at the time. So as a result, that is like the definitive way to play Fancy Zone 2 nowadays. But as exclusives go, I think Fantasy... I'd always sort of recommend as my main exclusives like the ones that I know at the back of my hands are the, the Sonic games in this case but are they really exclusives minus Chaos you really couldn't argue that but Fancy Zone 2 you can pretty much argue at least for the longest time was an exclusive and it's honestly one of the Master System's finest outings not sure if it's as good as the first but it is a really good game I'd recommend you buy Fancy Zone 2 immediately I actually don't know what the prices of it are like to be honest but And we're gonna sort of, like, scrounge around for games, because for the most part the Master System, I always, even though I love it, I always associate it in my head with really poor quality ports, which is, well, sort of what it was, in a sense, so, yeah, it's a bit difficult to, uh, disassociate that with my feelings on the console while still talking about it, because that's just what I vastly remember it for, is just pretty naff ports rather than games with the same name being rebuilt but um there were some notable exceptions i'd say um but in terms of actual exclusives that you should probably play or it's console exclusives quartet definitely play quartet any day of the week month year etc i, I love quartet and you, you should play it. psycho Fox as well i haven't played it but so many good things you should Ninja Gaiden is not an exclusive, but uh, this version of the game is an exclusive in the sense that it plays like none of the other versions. Um, aside from that, there is... Uh, oh, there was another game that I really wanted to mention, and I've just completely forgotten it. Um, I don't know, but we also have Wonder Boy 3, which I, in my opinion is the best Wonderboy Boy game overall. i said this is someone who's never got far in any of them, but... Um, I like Wonder Boy Three. I just get Miracle World as well, and now it's getting Shinobi World. We've already mentioned those, as we did with Wonder Boy. Um, outside of that, though, I am sort of scrounging around for games that I really like versus games that I just play because they're they're on the console. Like, oh, I want to play some Master System today, so I'll play this this random game that I don't really have any interest in. Versus, oh, I really want to play this game rather than I really want to play this console. Um, one that springs to mind for um. I'm trying to really think. That's it, that's it. The Cyber Shinobi. That is one that really springs to mind, um, actually. Maybe not in the same sense. Maybe I've thought up this one wrong, but um, I'll get into this part of it, and then I'll get into the part of the Cyber Shinobi that I actually want to talk about. This is a prime example of oh, I really want to play a Master System game. Yeah, I'll I'll play Cyber Shinobi. because it, it's at the top of my ROMs list or something like that. Uh, the reason I actually want to talk about Cyber Shinobi though is because... Jesus Christ, what happened here? <laughs> what happened here, lads? Um, so, Shinobi, the original arcade game, phenomenal, really good arcade game. So, then they ported it to Master System because that was the home console at the time. You're expecting me to slaughter it, but it's a very good port. Not as good as the arcade original, but it never was going to be because it's slightly less powerful hardware. Then you got the Cyber Shinobi. What the hell happened here? So the even though it was on a Mars system and the Mars system has a reputation for somewhat clunky, slow games, the original Shinobi was still really fluid. You moved quickly. There was no sort of lag. The screen scrolled smoothly. Just everything generally just felt fast, fluid. Like there was no pauses. What the hell happened with, with Cyber Shinobi? You're like this tank-controlled, clunky, he's in the air for 10 seconds. He chops some people and that's about it. He has this really weird sort of Minecraft Steve chop that he does on people that has zero range. He has no actual weapons, uh, Joe Masashi, I think it's still Joe Musashi. Uh, if it's not, it's his relative, because the game starts off so strong. Like, the intro sequence is awesome. It has the best scrolling I've ever seen in the Master System. Really smooth text scroll. Intriguing story like oh, we're gonna play the futuristic shinobi. Okay. I'm down with this Then you get into the game and it plays like something on the spectrum like You're ten years removed from most spectrum games that are infamous for running like this and yet you've run like absolute pants It's slow clunky and one of the worst sequels I think in existence like people don't talk about this game and I sort of wonder why and um, Aside from that, I guess the other game worth noting uh, is the GG Shinobis, the Game Gear Shinobis, because they're actually good sequels, unlike the Cyber Shinobis. You should play them instead. You should also probably play Revenge of Shinobi and Shinobi 3 as well, because they're they're much better. just never touch Cyber Shinobi with a 10-foot pole. And that is my experience with the Master System. Um, let me see... Um, just checking what you guys are up to over there okay um people keep posting stuff and i have no clue where to start because you guys are posting so much stuff uh yeah really 73 new messages since i last opened discord and that was only like um oh that was 20 minutes ago never mind i've been talking for a very long time um what are you up to Electric Blue says that there were European releases for from Rage 1 and 2, which I thought there was, but I just um, completely forgot, to be honest. Um, we're going to keep scrolling, because you're mostly just talking about PlayStation portables and, um, uh, yeah, it, it's 8 o'clock, I can't repeat that. <laughs> this show's too family friendly for that. No, it isn't. It really is. Uh, Jamie says, you've added... Uh, uh, you've added games like this that aren't even out on the S- Sega Master System or game here, like Sh- Streets of Rage Three. Yeah, that was an honest mistake because I just copied and pasted Streets of Rage over and over again, and I was like, "Oh, Streets of Rage Three is probably on there." It wasn't for some reason. They skipped Stre- Streets of Rage Three, but maybe my System fans should be thankful for that because Streets of Rage Three is diabolical. Um, it, it's not a very good game. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. Um, I won't stop changing my nickname. aka Brick Game '98, the King of Comedy says. My earliest Master System memory was one on my old Acer Aspire One. My dad had this random Master System CD that was handmade. It had a bunch of ROMs and a bad emulator, but I copied the ROMs off it to use in Kega Fusion. I still have the disc, and he links to a sort of disc binder thing with a disc that has handwritten on it. Marker. That's how you know it's professional. Sega Master System emulators and this was back in the day when you could actually get a hand get a hold of clear CDs Do you Remember that back in the day before they um, put labels and all blank CDs But like nowadays you go into a shop and buy a blank CD and it has this label massive company name Storage size in huge font when I just, I just sort of want a CD that has You know it's data on the bottom side and no coating no pattern on top. They don't really do that anymore at all um, Anything else? Electric Bruno says I beat Sonic Chaos recently. Um don't you beat Sonic Chaos recently quite a lot, Electric? That's sort of what I gathered. <laughs> you 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 beat that game recently quite a bit because you imported it from the UK. Or at least from Europe. Jamie says that people need to play these two games, Sonic Labyrinth and Sonic Spinball. No they don't. No they don't. On on 8-bit, they don't at all. And apparently I'm not paying enough attention to the Sega Nomad. The Sega Nomad is 16-bit. That does not count. There's not an 8-bit console. Um, we're going to keep looking Um, And then people are posting the BIOS, even though we had the BIOS music earlier. Because, uh, why not? Jamie also can't find an answer to the hard question and medium question, which was exactly what I wanted because it was meant to be really difficult, but I think I've actually made it way too difficult. I want it to be hard but I've made it like ultra hard (laughs) by accident. Um... Uh... (laughs) So this conversation starts off with Rapid Run saying, um... actually no it starts off with Eclipse saying we've had the game gear since I was born and Rapid says um, how old are you if you don't mind me asking, Uh, Eclipse reveals their age. (laughs) And then <laughs> Veritex was oh nice, I'm 12 too. That, that really tickled me for some reason. <laughs> Incredible. Veritex is totally 12. He's, he's um totally not trolling you there. Deep Duck Trouble Electric has linked me. And yeah, that was one that I actually forgot to mention. Because Deep Duck Trouble is a game that people always bring up in high regards. Play it, People. Uh, Madakuji san says it essentially isn't the best way to enjoy the Master System to just ignore the ports, like, weren't they produced for the people who couldn't afford to upgrade the Genesis? Yes, but in some cases, no. In some cases, the ports were legitimately good games on their own, but most of the time, yeah, it was just the budget titles for people who were too poor. In the nicest way possible, they were too poor to upgrade. And apparently I should play Master of Darkness as well, maybe. Also, F- Fancy Star. We somehow didn't mention Fancy Star there. It's it's a good game. Maybe not as good as Fancy Star three and four, but Fancy Star one is a phenomenal game. Play it, seriously play it, people. Anyway, enough rambling. I've been talking for like twenty five minutes non stop. Request resort. Nope. Uh, ble- trivia Coast. Trivia Coast. It's really hard on purpose. That's sort of the whole point of it. Um, so it was the Trivia Coast, and you guys have probably said something on Twitter to me. Um, I will share. Um, Some people are giving me their answers on Twitter, even though I say please do not give me your answers on Twitter. A few people have actually done this. Um, uh, I'll check. Um, But either way, the question that I asked you in the beginning was the hard question. What is admitted from the built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog 1 on Master System 2 consoles? The medium question was, on what date did the Game Gear TV tuner stop working in England? England is the key, not the UK. In England. And now it's time for the easy question. Please, someone, somewhere, get this right, because I, I... there's only two people who've, who are currently on the li- the shortlist for um, for the Alex Kidd shirt, and spoilers, one of them is Electric, and um, funnily enough, I, I don't think Electric is going to be winning, so uh, you guys should probably get on that. Anyway, um, the easy question. After Miracle World, Alex Kidd became known for a few things, mainly shovelware, but also for its references to other franchises, such as Shinobi. And at one point in development of Alex Kid and Shinobi World, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> However, some references never existed and were a work of complete fiction. What name does the Alex Kid Wiki claim that Alex's brother had in Alex Kid the Lost Stars? What name does the Alex Kid Wiki claim that Alex's brother was called in The Lost Stars? And for a bonus point, what is the name of Alex's what is the real name of Alex's brother in that game? So for a chance to win, two points, and for the chance to win a bonus point, what is the real name of Alex's brother in that game? You have roughly about three or four minutes to get that one. Best of luck while you do that. It's a Game Gear block cause I felt a bit bad for neglecting the Game Gear for this long. So, well, speaking of Shinobi, we're going to be getting into Shinobi 2, The Silent Fury, also known as the, the GG Shinobi 2. It's a brilliant game, a brilliant song. It's building 2 and it's a top resort only on Radio Sega. Enjoy the music, Ninja Master. Any you are going to be running in the 90s with this one? Yeah, I think you're going to have a field day. of you are getting the melody, I'll force you to listen to it again. Have a closer listen this time. Uh, re- really, really close of a listen. J- just quickly, just quickly, because I want to prove that I'm right, because I, I am right here. Don't, 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 don't imply that I'm wrong. It totally is. You, you can't commit to me otherwise, then, then it sounds nothing like it for a bit, but that, that, I'm, I'm right here. I- I'm completely right, um, and no- nothing will take me away from that. Anyway, it's time for the trivia coaster result show. But before we do that, you just heard a track from the Fancy Zone Gear. Fancy Zone Gear. Opa Opa Junior uh, no buken, buken, something like that. Either way, from Fancy Zone Gear. I-, I I profess my love for the Fancy Zone series, but I've actually never played Fancy Zone Gear at all. But the music's really nice. That was the Wood stage, uh, the round one theme that from Mega Man for the Game Gear, that was running in Wily's Castle Stage 2. The music from that game isn't particularly good, with the exception of that one track. I I quite like that one track, but the rest of the music isn't very good. Which is a shame because the game is really good, like, uh, as good if not better than the NES Mega Man's, honestly, Uh, in my opinion and in the opinion of a lot of critics, so it's a shame that it falls a bit flat on its face uh, in the music department. For that, from the G.G. Shinobi Two, the Silent Fury that was known as Building Two, and anyway, you yeah, let's get on with it. So many of you guys messaged me right as the deadline came up on my end, but I know, um, I know that I am right. Um, also, so okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this out on there. Jamie gets one point. Um, he didn't get the bonus point, and I don't get the feeling many people will get the bonus point. Uh, Veritex doesn't get the point, uh, Electric gets the bonus point, but not the actual point, and, uh, and Eclipse gets nothing. Right so that has, um, means that Electric has got another entry into a giveaway he doesn't want to win, brilliant. Um and that means that... Jamie's the only one who actually got the real answer, thank you Jamie. Uh, six, four, three, two, six. Right, so anyway, answers. I'm gonna kick things over the easy question. The easy question which I think actually less of you got than any of the other questions, even though I literally give you the name of the website. And for some reason you guys just blindly guessed. I assume you probably went to the Wikipedia, but I specifically said the wiki, not the Wikipedia. The Alex Kidd wiki, as in the wiki specifically de- dedicated to Alex Kidd. It only required you to look up the website, and it gave you the answer. But yet, you guys couldn't be bothered to do that. There's, there's no, there's no hope left for humanity. Is there? We'll never be bothered to procreate. Um, so. With that in mind, the easy question was, after Miracle World, Alex Kidd became known for a few things, mainly shovelware, but also for its references to other franchises, such as Shinobi, and at one point in development of Alex Kidd uh, Shinobi World, Super Mario Bros. However, some references never existed and were a work of fiction. What name does the Alex Kidd wiki claim that Alex's brother had in Alex Kidd The Lost Stars? Um, so the Alex Kid wiki, as I say, the Wikip- not Wikipedia, the uh, wiki specifically dedicated to Alex Kidd and all the games, rather than the Wikipedia page for the Lost Stars. It c- incorrectly calls uh, Alex Kid's brother, a name that Casey would be very proud of. Um, Alex Kidd's brother is supposedly known in the Lost Stars as Danky Kang. Good old Danky Kang. Congratulations to Jamie for getting the one point for that question and to Electric Boogaloo, and I think that was it. Yeah, Electric Boogaloo for getting the bonus point, but not the actual point, for correctly answering that um, Alex Kidd's brother in that game is known as James. So that's the bonus point, that Alex Kidd's brother is known as James in The Lost Stars. However, um, that is also incorrect, (laughs) because Alex Kidd's real real brother's name, which everyone... um, tried to guess, instead of the actual answer, was Eagle or Eggle or any variations on that. So Prince Eagle, either way, was like what his brother was actually called, but in the Lost Stars he was called James. James was the bonus point, which was apparently even harder to get than the incredibly difficult Danki Kang. You people. The medium question was, one feature that Game Gear was able to boast was that you were able to watch TV on the console for the use of the TV tuner adapter. This, ase- this accessory was pushed quite hard in the U.S. as it allowed the system to get in the hands of non-games. But they didn't push it quite as heavily as it, was- as it was pushed in the U.K., going as far as to bundle it in with the majority of all Game Gears. However, on what date did the TV tuner stop working in England? A lot of you um, went on the wrong path uh, altogether. Um, like giving me these completely nonsensical answers. There were a few of you that went in the right direction, but not the right place. You gave me the date of... I'm trying to find it now, because it has completely disappeared. Um, I think that person might delete the tweet. Um, A lot of you guys gave me the answer of October 24th, 2012, which, according to my memory, I know it's not right, but I'm trying to remember when it was. Um... Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember what place it was. Um, I don't want to give away the answer just yet, so I will quickly Wikipedia it. And I will quickly search for United Kingdom. Any second now Wikipedia, you can be a bit faster mate. United Kingdom. Uh, come on. There we go, United Kingdom. A lot of you guys gave me the date of the 24th of October, 2012. Which is the shut-off date for Northern Ireland. You try, you really did try, but you didn't really get there at the end, did you? They're not the same thing at all. But you gave it a good go, well done. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> how have we got that out of the way? Um, it's almost as bad as calling the Philippines Korea! Who would do such a thing? <laughs> um, but yeah, so the 24th of October 2012 was not the correct answer. The correct answer that you were looking for was the 26th of September 2012. That was the date of the European shutoff, of the, uh, sorry, the English off of Analog TV. So the Game Gear TV tuner was an Analog TV tuner. And once the analogue signals went off in England in on the 26th of te- September 2012, that was when the TV tuner stopped working in England. So the 26th of September 2012 was your answer. I really wanted to sneak in a question which combined my love for TV and my love for games in the final, in the final uh, episode of the season, and I got to do it. So very happy. Anyway, time for the hard question but not after I tell you the fact that um, Veritex and Electric Boogaloo got the three points there, congratulations to them both. Now for the hard question, and yeah, I stuck to my word, this was very difficult. One of the more notable features that the Master System had over the NES was the ability to have games built into the console by leaving enough room in the BIOS for the game ROM. Alex Kid was perhaps the most famous of all of these to do this. However, most people will remember the likes of Sonic the Hedgehog and Snail Maze. Corners had to be cut, though, to make sure that the BIOS and the game were able to both coexist and fit onto the console. Such as cutting important piracy checking code from the BIOS and omitting features from the games themselves. What is missing from the Sega Master System built-in... Oh, sorry, what is missing... I- I'm just going to read this part from Twitter because I actually worded this better on Twitter. Um... What is omitted from the built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog 1 on Master System 2 consoles? The answer? The credits. There are no credits on the Master System 2 built-in version of Sonic the Hedgehog 1. Congratulations to Electric Boogaloo who got his five points there and to the rest of you. Yeah, you didn't really even get close to be honest. That was very difficult and I really do apologize for that. Um, so, and... Wait, I said The Lost Stars, didn't I? I did say the Lost Stars, um, oh for God's sake, um, yeah it would be like me if I didn't get the question wrong, um, on on the final show. I totally meant High Tech World, just my brain decided to not say High Tech World for some reason. Um, so, do you know how I'm going to make it up to you? Anyone who gives me one of the four correct answers from right now has the ability to enter into the giveaway. I was way too mean uh, to you with these questions. So, if you give me the correct answers in a DM right now, you are entered into the giveaway. Does that make it up to you? Does that make it up to you for sticking to my guns, sticking to my traditions, and getting a question wrong? <laughs> I hope I it should. Anyway, with that in mind, I'm going to keep delaying because I need to reveal to you. Actually, no, I don't. I can because i have absolutely nothing planned for the next segment so i can actually reveal to you the answer of um or oh, sorry the i can reveal to you the winner during the next segment so for now i can cut to a music break while we sort out that i've already given you the answers that's the bare minimum i have to do on the results show and while, uh, while i wait for you guys to give your correct answers in for a chance to enter into the alex kid giveaway courtesy of sega shop europe i'm gonna play you some music and now we're getting into the good stuff or at least the very good stuff in my opinion we got a nostalgic track from Gangster Town. We got a tune which you probably knew was going to be in this show from Sonic and Tails or something like Sonic Chaos in the rest of the world. And yep, it's that song, that one song from that one game known as Quartet. All to come up right here on the Topical Resort.
0: To catch up, want to re-educate yourself on the topic of a previous show, download our podcast from the Radio Sega Media section, subscribe to us on iTunes, or stream the show through Stitcher. Current standings.
1: Wow, there we go. That's a jingle you've never heard before, and there's good reason for that. Um... You just heard a track from Quartet, also known as Double Target, the Sega Master System version, as stage one. And uh, surprisingly, there are still a lot of people in the chat room who don't know that it doesn't matter from Sonic Adventure as a remix of that. Uh, 2019, people still don't realise this, whatever. For that, from Sonic and Tails, also known as Sonic Chaos, that was Aquaplanet Zone, the Master System version, also known as the Superior version of Aquaplanet Zone. Get, get screwed, Jamie. For that from Gangster Town, that's a track that I love, and a track that I actually just added to the Radio Sega playlist. That was the Car Chase and Harbour themes. Uh, Too bad you'll probably really never hear them in the game, because... Yeah, the game's hard. The game's hard as hell. Either way, um, so I did did promise you guys something, and I promised you one little fact, and that was... That I have tallied up the end of series scores, and... If you're wondering how this works, and if I probably should have done this earlier... Um, No, I did not allow the cheaters, the cheaters who entered the giveaway after I'd um, told you the answers. I did not allow them I did not count them as points, so I have correctly tallied it up and yep, everyone's correctly guessed that Electric Boogaloo has won but um, I'm sure you want to know how many points you actually have, how many points you guys earned over 52 episodes of the Topical Resort how many you accumulated. So we had Electric Boogaloo obviously at the top but at the bottom we had mumbo king with one point kevin b1229 with one point Skyblaze 42 with five points regular who sadly could be here tonight but regular who surprisingly doesn't do that well on the trivia coast but he's here in spirit and he's awesome superbike 2 six points 20 nine points lost impact 9 points. Callum, 9 points. There's a lot of 9 pointers. Um, Supersonic Swag, a quite big jump up here. 19 points. Grey who only started entering as of, like, uh, two months ago. 31 points. J Star Max, who's been entering for a long time. 38 points. Feritex, 47 points. Large jump here. Brick 98. 97 points, yeah, um, if you just got one more question right, you could have had 98 points, Um, you you played yourself, large jump up again, but not as much, Jamie 64326, 121 points, Electric Boogaloo, 159 points. It's so really not that much of a gap between Jamie and Electric. Like, yeah, 30 points. But, I mean, it's not an awful lot, considering you earn 10 points a show. So if Electric just missed a couple of shows, then Jamie could have caught himself back up. Well, you know, you earn 9 points. But still, that's close enough to 10. The point is, if Electric just missed a couple of episodes, Jamie could have got himself caught fairly easily back up for people who complain that, eh, it's difficult to catch up in this game. Well, if you make every episode and you get every question right, it's not too hard to catch up. Just, just the problem is... It's hard to catch back up if you don't get the questions right. <laughs> that, 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 that's what makes it difficult. Anyway, right, so, going on over to the random choice. First of all, a huge thank you goes to Sega Shop Europe for being very generous with this giveaway and letting us give a lovely Alex Shirt Alex Kid, Alex shirt kid to, to the winner, yeah. Um, so, in this giveaway, we have nine entries from Electric Boogaloo. Uh, as you know, I'll, I'll just read it as it is because they're not ordered at all. We have eight entries from Electric Boogaloo, three entries from Veritex, five entries from Eclipse, one entry from Electric Boogaloo, one entry from Jamie, one entry from Twinny, one entry from Veritex, three uh, entrances from Jamie, and one entrance from Veritex. With that in mind, this is the perfect music to play while randomizing something. It is. Dun- 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 uh, a big congratulations to- I I need to get a sound effect because I need to delay it because uh, of course I do. Um, a big congratulations to-
2: mm.
1: Mm. Mm. Yes, it's Eclipse. Is it? Congratulations to Eclipse. Um. So. What I'm going to need here is first of all cooperation, that does help. Uh, second of all, mainly what I will need is uh, your address and your preferred shirt size and based on that I should be able to gauge whether they actually have it in stock because um, a big issue with this giveaway is I can only give you stuff that's in stock. Um, so if it's not in stock on the website I will have a quick gander over at that. Um, I've been told that you are able to select anything else uh, supposedly anything else on the Sega shop, so if there is an item can take your fancy if the Alex Kid shirt does not fit you or is not um, available in your size, please let me know. And likewise, um, yeah, because you're outside of the US, you are still eligible, Just it's going to be a bit longer because I'm going to have to receive the package before you can receive it, but congratulations to Eclipse, shirt size 5XL. No, um, I-, I was going to be really mean about Jamie, but I can't. Um, no, no. <laughs> Uh, everyone's just sort of jumping out of nowhere. He- Hello everyone who's been lurking for the past two hours. How are you? Um, but yeah, that's all I really need off you. Um, I'll-, I'll send you a nice note with yours. Because since you are a winner outside of the UK. That means I have to interfere with your package a bit. Because as far as I know they won't ship to you. Because it is called Sega Shop Europe. Anyway, congratulations. Thank you to Sega Shop Europe. And it's time for some more awesome Sega tunes. We're almost at the end of the show. Which is eh, it's a bit saddening to be honest. It doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like the season finale. It just feels like we're just making an episode, same as always. Either way, we got four tracks here. Technically three. You'll see why in a bit. And the first track, I couldn't not go with this one during the show. And it's, I just seen that Twenties popped up in the chat room. And this is a favorite of Twenties. It's a favorite of Twenties. At the very least, he he likes to get it played on shows quite a lot. So I think he'll appreciate this one. This is a track that was from a cassette tape, which uh, will take quite a lot of you back, or it won't take any of you back at all because you're all too young. Um, I-, I say this, but. <laughs> it was a track on a cassette tape given away with an issue of Mean Machine Sega, an unofficial Sega magazine here in the UK. And, um. It was a fan run competition, so. Oh, sorry, it was a fan competition, so you entered your songs right into the Master System, into the. Magazine and the winner would have the song published by Virgin and put onto the cover of Me Machine Sega and uh, some of you know where I'm going with this, some of you don't know where I'm going with this. The winners were MC's Nick and Steve w- with their song Do Me A Favor The Sega Master Mix 90. Oh boy it's an experience, it's, it's a fun song but a lot of people don't really like this song but I, I think it's a, it's a cheese fest, arguably a cringe fest but it's a whole bunch of fun. Do me a favour, plug me into a Sega, but plug in your headphones to the Topka Resort, because this is a questionable tune, but it's a song that exists on your airwaves, in your ears, nonetheless. Sam, MC, Nick and Steve.
2: Yo, Nick and Steve, you coming out tonight?
1: No, man, we're standing in to check out our brand new Sega console.
2: Sega? What's that? Check this out. Yo, Yo. master system custom 80 pounds. One great color, free channel sound. Yeah, they got more games and fishes the fish thoughts. like Operation Warfare, and Tangle Fox. Yo, man, type World Games, XHQ, World Soccer, soccer Baseball, Wonder Boy 2. this game goes on and on and the on. The Sega on. is up 100 strong. Sega.
0: This is the Topical Resort.
1: rushing. Welcome back to the final time, to the Crew Resort right here on Radio Sega. You just heard a track there from the 8-bit version of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That was the ending theme, or the bad ending theme if you played the Game Gear version, it's just the ending theme on the Master System version. Before that, from Fantasy Zone 2, the Tears of Opa-Opa, the Mark III version, that was the PSG version of Round 7. Before that, before that, from Fantasy Zone 2, the Tears of Opa-Opa, Mark III version, that was the FM version of Round 7, and yeah... PSG beats the crap out of FM there. Before that, kicking off the block from MC's Nick and Steve from Me Machine Sega. That was do me a favour. The Ma- the Sega Master Mix 90, and I'm really struggling to speak now. So um yeah, it's, this is a thing uh, that's happening right now. Um, th- th- there's nothing else I can address here. Um, so you guys have been asking me throughout the show, in private and in public, quite a lot. Um, can't wait for season three. What's coming up in season three? Um, this is sort of uh, the the overwhelming question. Ah, oh, it's sad that season two is ending. We can't wait for season three. It's going to be bigger than, better than ever. This is it. This this has been the topical resort. There won't be a third season. There are new adventures waiting round the corner and to be honest I have too much respect for the show to continue running it when I can sort of see the writings on the wall. The writing, on, the writing has been on the wall for a few months. The, the writing has been on the wall that this is not the right road to keep embarking on. I'm embarking completely up the wrong tree and it's time for something different, quite frankly. And I don't, no one's ever really been sort of rude enough to point it out, but this show has incredibly slipped and I don't want to continue it anymore with it slipping in quality. I I have too much respect for the idea itself and the show subject to let it continue and just become something that I don't care about anymore because it's heading that way. It's heading the way of me not giving a toss and uh, I don't want that for you guys, I don't want that for me, I don't want that for the show I I don't want this to be remembered in my mind and in the mind of everyone else's something that's... oh that was just that was just a stopgap thing he did because he ran out of creative ideas and things to do and just relied on the audience too much. Uh, I, I it, It's best to quit While I'm ahead, it's best to quit while I haven't had those negative comments. I haven't had stuff hurled at me. And while I still have the time to craft something new and something better. And it's not that this show is bad, just that I'm capable of better than I was capable of two years ago. And the standard has slipped. And I think I'm capable of making something better than the standard was at its peak. And that's how it goes, sadly. There are some people I want to thank. I'd like to thank Open Science Collective and CopK for the Season 2 assets, because, well, OSC made the opening theme for Season 2 and CopK made the artwork for Season 2. I would like to thank someone who will become incredibly obvious soon enough. I will give them a proper thank you once it becomes obvious who they are. I would really like to thank the regulars and anyone who's ever tuned into this show for all the good times, the good memories, the good laughs, and most of all, the support you've given me. I'd like to thank family for remaining supportive of the project at all times and I want to actually... I, I don't know if people take this off as really sad, I, I'd like to give a special thank you here. A special thank you to someone who I actually think deserves it and receives too much flack, whether it's intentional harmful or whatever if it's deserved. I... This is hard to say after after the image we've crafted for the show. I'd like to give a huge thank you to Jamie for being the only one consistently there throughout the show and quite frankly for being a crutch. For helping me when no one else would help me, for lifting my spirits when no one else would lift them and Well, there were times where I was very doubtful in Season 1 that I actually wanted to continue. There were times where I was very doubtful that I wanted to continue doing radio in general. Jamie's support, which I never actually properly addressed, was the one thing during that time that actually put me in my place and made me come to my senses. So, thank you. Thank you Jamie, specifically you. Actually, be probably the most supportive person in this entire chat room. In regards to everyone else, has been very supportive. I should say, they everyone has been super, super nice to the show. No one's ever been mean about it or bit, said anything so sort of nasty or even criticism in general. But Jamie has always been there throughout the show, more so than others. Even though there have been plenty of others who've been listening since day one, but. No one can say they've consistently listened and consistently appeared simply as much as that man there. There are more shows to come in the following weeks and months, such as Last Call, which returns next week, Friday at 9pm. Keep your eyes on RadioSE.JA4/Shows and on our twitter feed for more info on returning shows and new ones, I hope you guys will enjoy Last Call as much as I will. Since Season 1, Episode 1, I knew that I wanted to start the show out with Room Games as they're my favourite genre of games and they produce great music. Since I knew that would be Episode 1, I knew that this would be the final episode. It had to be something extremely sentimental and I decided immediately I knew it would be the Master System. I've even hinted at this a few times throughout the show or given hints that this episode would be the end but not all that many people really seem to pick up on them at all. Uh, I've also had the final song planned out for all this time but before we do that I have I have some loose ends to tie up. Um, I want to head on over to the twitter feed just to check any sort of final messages. Any final final messages. Uh, you, you can hear the defeat in my voice, it's quite sad really. Um, I don't really want to read what you guys are saying too much, because I don't want it to push me over the edge. Because I, I I'm I, I'm holding it together. Better than I thought I would. A lot better than I thought I would. I don't want to push myself over the edge by reading your nice comments. I purposely stopped myself. Um there are some people in the discord i do like to thank on that note a huge thank you to everyone in discord as I just said but if you would like to join our discord that is radiosc.gf4 radiose.gh4/discord, where you can chat throughout many great shows including other many great shows such coming up on our schedule such as RSN Live with voice at 2am UK we also have the Hidden Palace Saturdays at 9pm with Skyblaze Saturday Night Sega Saturdays at 10pm with Gavi Sweaty Sundays, Sundays at two p.m. with Dr. Scott Nick, and Nalbis. Sega Mixer Drive Sundays at eight p.m. and Sega get uh, Radio Sega's guest nights Mondays at seven p.m. We also have many great people in the Discord who have been listening throughout the show, such as Rapid Run, Madakuchi-san, Eclipse, Very Tech, Brick Gamer ninety eight, Jamie six four three two six, Twini, J Star Max. Um, we've also had many, many, many others, such as. Uh, Gray4, we have had the likes of um, Nicholas on Twitter Adam Wells on Twitter um, There was someone else I saw earlier on But I can't find him now Either way, there's been a whole bunch of you Thank you to any of you I, Even if I can't specifically shout you out A huge thank you to you Because um, you've really made this worth it You've made this entire journey worth it uh, So much so this is normally the part... I'm a bit lost now because this is normally the part where I tell you what's happening next week. But that's... That's a tad pointless, isn't it, really? Um, so, yeah. Nothing coming up next week except Last Call. Tune in to Last Call. Friday's at 9pm. It's our awesome one-hour DJ set mix for the summer. It's the only way to start your summer and it's the only way to start your Friday night, quite frankly, is the way I see it. Um, but, yes. I have some more thank yous to give out. I have some more everythings to give out. So keep your eyes peeled because... There is still more stuff to come, um, but I've had Top Resort in the works, in in the works in some form, whether it be on YouTube or a blog, blog article thing, or a radio show or a podcast. I've had this show in some form for almost, in fact, not even almost, for five years now and I finally got to realise that dream in March of 2017 when I was given the opportunity to host another radio show and I chose the Topical Resort because it was an idea I would had lined up for so long in my head I finally wanted to do it and when you love something you have to let it go and five years later I finally got to realise my vision which I had been trying to create for so many years in the form of this show it's not originally how it was intended but this is the show. Um, This is what you received out of many years of planning and yeah five years later I'm really proud of what I achieved with it quite frankly. Um, I have one last song coming up after this and as I said earlier I've had this song planned out for even longer than I've had the Master System planned out as my final episode. Some people may complain that it's cheating since it isn't covered by the episode's topic but it's still an 8-bit even if it's NES styled Oh, it's still 8-bit even if it's NES-styled, and it's still Sega, but most importantly of all, it's tropical while catching that lovely end of the not-so-lovely end of the line feeling. The last track goes down to Laugh the Fox, and it's his remix of Tropical Coast Act 1, known as Tropical Drowning. That's coming up in just a second after this final loop of swimming from Alex Kidd in Miracle World. I've been Green Viper 8, you would have been awesome, thank you so much for listening, and as always... Stay topical. a new extra sweet zone close to opening day. Directly in front of you is the show schedule, revealing that there's more to be discovered at radiosega forward slash shows. And finally to your left, you'll find the exit. Please make sure to pick up all your belongings and don't get them mixed up. You've been listening to Radio Sega, and they've been playing the best Sega music 24-7.